episode of Horror 365. I am your host, the mouthpiece of the Northeast, Jimmy J. Alongside today, I call him the graphic guru, Corey Kaufman. And joining us, well, before I get to his name, this other gentleman, I want you to come on down to Harry's Bloody Attraction. You'll have fun. You'll have games. You'll get money. And hell, you know what? You'll even meet the great coal miner himself. And he's here today. Mr. Chuck Ryan joining us. Guys, how are you? Excellent. You're well. I appreciate it. You're well. Excellent, man. I'm happy to have you on. Uh, we're here. We're going to talk Valentine's Bluffs, uh, the fan film that you did for My Bloody Valentine, uh, and a whole bunch of other things. But I want to get into it right away. Now, Corey, um, I know you were on the show previously a while back. So it's yeah. like, it's almost as if this is the first time again on the show. Uh, but I do want to ask Chuck, because I remember what you told us. When we interviewed you, what Chuck? What was your introduction into horror? Um, my, I think it was my great aunt. Uh, we went to visit one time, and I had never met her before, and uh, I think I was maybe seven, eight years old. And she had, uh, I think it was a Frankenstein or Wolfman movie on, you know, some Universal movie. And and uh, my dad's side of the family, very very conservative. And I hadn't really gotten exposed to stuff like that yet, you know, on on TV or anything. And I was just I was just enamored. I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I got to talk to her a little bit about it. And then uh, I just didn't forget about that. And um, and then just, uh, you know, when I when I had the the chance to see a, a horror movie or something scary on TV, I'd be watching it. And then as I grew up, I had to try to sneak things in you know, here and there, because uh, it just was kind of frowned upon in my household. And then uh, I think when I got to be about a teenager, uh, my mom and dad kind of like, well, this is a losing battle because they weren't winning the, the fight against me trying to watch this stuff. And and uh, I, I knew that they started to embrace it. Uh, I think it was my uh, 13th or 14th birthday. My dad let me rent uh, for my birthday party like whatever horror movies I wanted to rent. And I think Child's Play was on that list. A um, couple other ones. And and so, yeah, I've just been a fan, you know, been a fan of horror and Halloween all my life. You guys are 80s horror guys? For the most part, yeah, me, yeah. Corey? Honestly, it's primarily 80s. I mean, he's going to give me shit for it later. So, but I mean, Chuck's probably, Chuck, how old were you in the 80s? Uh, let's see. I was, uh, well, it depends on when in the eighties, uh, <laughs> you got a 10 year window. I'm just saying like, <laughs> I was, uh, I was between, uh, 10 and, uh, 20. Let's put it that way. See, that's, and I'm, I'm jealous of that. I give him a lot of crap for his age, even though he's not that old, but you know, he's old, whatever, but, but that's just, that's just something that me and Chuck do. But the reason I ask is because I love 80s horror, but I was born in 87. So, like, I didn't actually get to live it, like, the moment. But, like, I was retro-raised on everything, from video games to horror movies to whatever. So, um, definitely 80s, but, man, there's there was a lot of good things that happened in the 90s. And then, you know, then you get to dial back and pull in some of the of the even older stuff and really pull that in and, and kind of relive it vicariously in the now so but yeah primarily 80s in a nutshell i guess yeah you know what i am jealous chuck you know i'm an 87 baby myself Corey, and uh you know you having that that's a that's a from 10 to 20 you think that's like 
you're growing up fully, you know, between that, that decade. So it's like you live through probably all the great 80 horror movies and enjoy them. Like probably even in the theaters. Like, did you see like Friday 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, all that in the theaters? No, again, you know, didn't, didn't have that opportunity to see uh, movies I really wanted to see in the theater until I was a little bit older. Um, but I, you know, I still, I still cherish all that, that eighties ness. Uh, and I, I do feel pretty blessed, you know, um, I don't know, maybe a little, maybe a little spoiled, uh, just to be able to grow up in that, in that era, that decade, um, you know, and not just horror. I mean, you know, action movies. I mean, oh, yeah, dude, you name yeah. it, right. We had, we had it all back then. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Like, uh, going back. I mean, the beautiful thing is now guys, we can go back and we can watch it. And, uh, there's a thousand streaming services. Whoever thought it would be like this, like everything's at our fingertips when, we were going to video stores, you know, yeah. rent the movies and that. I do miss that. I think I spoke about this a while back, um, but a couple times over. But yeah, video stores too. You guys remember walking into the video store, going into horror sections? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. spending spending I don't know how many minutes staring at the, the the VHS movie covers, right? And just be like, wow, you know, this looks awesome. I've never seen it. I don't really know what this is about, but that just looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna rent that one. What was uh? Do you guys remember renting any '80s horror movies? Yeah, um, the the there was a little gas station not too far down the street where we used to live when I was a kid, and uh, they had a little video section there. Wait, wait, hold on. A I, gas station had a video set up in there. A, a gas station did, yeah, you know, God. and they had a little horror section, and uh, I remember renting. Um, Halloween four, uh, child's play. And I remember at the end of Halloween four, I think it was after, you know, after the credits, they, they showed a little preview for Halloween five. And I was like, Oh, well, you know, we didn't have internet then you didn't know when it was coming out. Maybe they said coming soon or something like that. And every time I went down to that gas station, I'd look to see if that new Halloween five was out. And uh, I don't know, maybe it was a year later or whatever, but um, yeah, had that, had that opportunity. I don't remember how I was able to rent stuff because I remember not having either of my parents with me and I wasn't 18 yet by a long shot. So it might've been just that, that loophole where, you know, it's a gas station. It's, it's a, a gas, gas station. station. <laughs> yeah. Come yeah. on, right, right, right in the back. They, they showed right. you the heat section too. <laughs> Uh, you know, hey, that was those were the days, right? I mean, yeah. you could get away with that stuff. So it was '88. It had to be because Halloween Four came out in '80. I was McCore and I were one uh, around that around that time. But dude, uh, I do remember definitely going in the '90s in the, in the video stores. Corey, uh, what was your first uh, horror movie rental in a video store? Man, I, I don't know. I, I I did try to thrive off of the horror section because I did feel like it was something that I couldn't obtain. My parents were pretty conservative about some stuff but you know my dad i think slowly was like okay well if, if he wants to do this i'll you know kind of spoon feed you know and so he kind of filtered a lot of stuff or we'd watch the tv versions before we ever rented any any kind of horror movie um but even then my parents i mean i think it was kind of a trip for them to understand some things all i remember was being super disappointed that the new releases there's like 60 of those things on the wall and then, and then, but all the shit you want to watch, you're like, there's one copy, and you're like, well, who the hell rented out that one copy? <laughs> and I was like, and I gotta come back next. I gotta wait a whole another week because we only rented stuff on Friday nights. 
and you got to rent like two or if it was a two but you know like buy two get three or rent two get three free and some bullshit popcorn or whatever because i i transitioned I mean, we had video review where i was at in illinois we had video review blockbuster hollywood video eventually came along and those were kind of and then family video so there's like four it was a big happening movie scene for such a small town but uh no gas stations with movies you know thank <laughs> god um but it's funny because now i mean now you know, you're not renting them but you go you go anywhere they they're selling you know three four dollar movies everywhere but um yeah renting them and trying to get the deals and then you get like the little sheet that says what's coming out and, yeah but I, w- I would say first movie i maybe watched uh horror wise had to be one of the child's plays it just made sense as a kid yeah. um and I think it was because we 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 snuck around and watched one. Me and my, my sister did like Child's Play two, and then my scene I wanted to, be to see three, but three was not going to be on TV anytime soon. I think that was kind of it. And then it it just devolved into everything else. And 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 around that age, and it was almost like a you're not supposed to watch this, but that that was the biggest that was the draw for me for horror wise. You're like you're not supposed to watch this, you know, but you're like, well, I have to watch it, you know, now, right? You know, so. I'd say, I think that from what I can remember, that's kind of how it worked out or started. Yeah. You know what? That's cool. anything when, when we're younger, right? When we're kids don't do this. Okay. I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know, cause you said not to, um, now do you guys remember renting or watching, uh, my bloody Valentine 1981? I saw it. Uh, I saw the TV, you know, the TV version, which would have been the, uh, not the, the non-director's cut. They didn't have a director's cut back then um and i remember the 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 one one of the scenes that really stood out to me was the ending um seeing uh the the cave-in and then axel uh trapped on the other side and like he's getting away after you know his arm gets ripped off and he's got that maniacal laugh and just that just stayed with me it's like even though you know it was a movie it gets in your head and you're like man that guy's still out there you know and, and, and assuming that he's alive we don't know but yeah i remember i remember seeing that one long ago how old were you made an impact how old uh, you? uh 10 11 12 maybe me and chuck talked about this you know when i was asked to come on the project i just thought it was a really good opportunity um I had heard of the movie. I didn't actually end up watching any part of the movie whatsoever until six months prior to filming. Wow. Um, okay. And then, but, but, and I, I have to lace it with it. Even though I didn't see it until then, I watched it probably a total, even though I pick and shoot, like picked it apart. I like in terms of looking at certain things, rewinding and, you know, watching every kind of version of it, I probably watched it. 13 times probably into a two-week span because i was trying to see if i could one-up chuck on everything i could find that we could try to easter egg into bluffs and so i got like that when i when i'm asked to research into stuff and then create stuff whether it's articles in a newspaper all the way to props or help with information or hey can we get a good picture of like you know axel's ring or whatever it wasn't until then that I actually watched it for the first time. And then I watched it way too damn much, but it was really cool because it allowed me and Chuck to like hit each other up daily. Like, Oh, what'd you find? Oh my God, look at this. 
well, you think we can find a replica of that hat or this or that? or that? And then it just like snowballed. So it became an interesting way for me to be invited into that movie because prior to that, maybe seeing a couple clips or, you know, just hints of the movie or, or a trailer or two. You know, that's, that's incredible. I mean, 13 times, Corey, that's almost insane, insane uh, in my book in two weeks in a two week span, but I understand why you did it. Um, and, and it shows in the film. And I want to say, yeah, wh- let me ask this first 2009 version. What do you guys think of that? I thought it was a pretty solid movie. I mean, um, I, I kind of feel like deep down, it was one that didn't necessarily need to be remade, you know, but um, I, I thought they did a pretty good job. And then adding in that, that 3d aspect, you know, that was cool. Um, I thought they did a pretty good job overall. I, I enjoyed it. Um, doesn't at all touch the, um, you know, what the, what was done with the original movie. I think, um, you know, definitely an inferior film, but I thought they did a great job. You know, I, I liked it. I liked the, uh, I liked some of the twists that they tried to do in it, uh, with the story and just make it a little bit different, set it apart and everything. And the effects were, um, Effects were really, really good. A uh, little, little heavy on the CGI, in my opinion, but you know, uh, I agree with that. I, I wasn't definitely wasn't a fan of 2009. Uh, well, Corey, what about you? What do you think of the 2000? Well, I I had actually watched most of 2009 prior to watching the original, um, and thinking, okay, what am I missing? You know, trying to watch it, but there was two. There was certain things that, even though I wasn't trying to, like where Chuck had the privilege of comparing it to the original i didn't really have that yet and so i, I think the first time i watched because i only watched it twice and the second time i don't know I, it was the same thing i think i watched the second one to see what else we could pull or add to this you know film uh in a weird way but there's just certain things that like you know growing up in the 80s into the 90s and, and seeing a lot of practical effects done if something is overly CGI'd or just almost lazy CGI'd because they don't, they either don't have the money or time to put effects in. Yeah. I started picking it apart for CGI aspects of things, whether it was, you know, blood or, or kills or whatever, because it directly, like the one film I was always pissed off about was Freddy versus Jason because they tried to do this blood drop scene in the hallway. And I was like, it's so overly CGI'd. It, it took away from, there's nothing about this film that just feels good and natural. And I'm like, if I want to see blood dropping on the, on the tile, I wanted to see it stay in there or, you know, flowing appropriately. And when you're able to look at films like that, you know, the 3d one, they tried to overcompensate the 3d and it's like, well, maybe if we do some of this 3d, it'll take away from the, the shitty CGI here and there. And so that, that's what stuck with me from the most part. I, I honestly couldn't watch it and go, I know what happened part for part on the, on the remake. So. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I agree with both of you guys on that with the CGI. Uh, again, like I stated, I wasn't a fan of 2009, uh, but I was, and I am, I shouldn't say was, I am a fan of Valentine's bluffs. I really enjoyed this, uh, this film guys. It's you, the continuity is there in this. And before I guess we get into it, uh, walk us through the process of what it was like putting this all together. I guess uh, we'll go with Chuck. Oh, boy. Um, well, Tom Smith, uh, our director and writer, he first reached out to me um, to ask if I would play the role of the minor. And um, 
it's kind of a funny story. He uh, he had met me at a horror hound convention a number of years ago and got a picture with me in uh, the minor cos my minor cosplay, and he remembered that and kind of filed it away for the future. And when uh, he had this idea for for doing a, a My Bloody Valentine fan film, he 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 didn't know who I was though, so he kind of put that out there on social media and he started asking around. It's like, hey, does anybody know who this cosplayer is? So. Uh, some people had directed them my way and and we got in contact with one another and I said yeah that that was me and so that's kind of pretty much how I officially met Tom and um, and uh, I I didn't say yes right away because I didn't know who this guy was is he just some guy with a camcorder in his backyard or what you know <laughs> and I but I didn't want to say no because I didn't know what kind of opportunity I might be missing out on. So I, I just played it really cool. And, um, and as Tom says it, once we got off the phone for the first time, he said to his wife, I don't really think he's interested, <laughs> which was not true, you know. Uh, but then um, he, a few weeks later, he got this, the script to me and I read the script and I really enjoyed it. I, I thought there was a lot of potential there. And um, and then he showed me one of his other short films that he made called Hunting for Justice. And uh, I, I, I knew right away when I saw that he's the real deal. He's legit. So that was kind of my introduction to first coming on board. And then uh, I just kind of just jumped in right away, uh, started talking with Tom on a very, very regular basis. And we started talking about different things that we could you know, add to the script and the story. We started talking about kills. We just started talking about everything. And then um, before I knew it, I I became a producer on the project because I was just spending so much time on it. And um, and that's that's kind of how that all came on. And then, you know, uh, I don't know how far along it was after when uh, I reached out to Corey and said, hey, you know, would you want to come on the project? Because uh, Definitely, we're going to need somebody uh, with some artistic skills and creativity to, to help us design our uh, crowdfunding campaign and all the graphics and everything. And um, very, very lucky that Corey was out there and was available to us because, man, you know, it's, 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 uh, I'm going to go off on a rail, but, you know, it, it takes a team. It's just not one person, obviously. It takes a team and, and good people that that contribute and it's, it's such a collaborative effort so um but yeah that's anyway <laughs> oh it's good man yeah I, you're right go on and on no but, that's fine um, yeah continue um so yeah and then you know i mean shortly uh shortly after that i was introduced to, to roland keller our our other producer and uh him and i became good good buds right away and just kind of like uh you know brothers uh, brothers in arms on this project and um, uh, you know I live in Wisconsin and and everybody else lives uh, uh, our, our crew is pretty much in in Pennsylvania or in that area and Corey's down uh, in uh, near Memphis right and yeah. uh, so you know it it, it has its uh, difficulty yeah. sometimes with you know uh, logistics and things but you know when you're doing a lot of the producer type duties it doesn't matter. You don't have to be there in person, but sometimes it helps. Uh, so there was a lot of Zoom meetings, a lot of conference calls and everything. And Corey was in on a lot of those. 
throughout the process. And um, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, you know, it's just, it's a lot of time, a lot of time involved uh, making a film. I, I can say after participating, I have a huge newfound respect uh, and appreciation for what goes into filmmaking. I mean, hands down, work, until man. you, yeah, until you are, are in it and you see that side of things, you do kind of take it for granted. And it's easy to, to criticize and nitpick things. And, um, but man, once you, once you partake in it and do it, you really understand, wow, just, just the workload there. And, you know, even if a movie in the end, even if our movie turned out to not be a good film, which I think it turned out to be a really, really good film, uh, you can still criticize things, of course, but uh, I never, never look down or criticize on the people who made the film because they they put the work into that and they they put their all into it sometimes, and um, you know, and you just never know how it's going to turn out. But you you have to have that kind of love and appreciation to to make a film and and just yeah, I I, I look at things very very differently now. Yeah. Um, so you got to respect anybody that puts together something like any film in general, uh, because it is a lot of work, man. It is a team effort. And, uh, you know, Corey, I know Corey does our graphics over here, hard 365. Uh, he does just, I keep praising this guy, man, a tremendous job. Uh, I haven't met or seen anybody else with the amount of detail that, that Corey puts into his work and, and the love for it shows. So Corey, I, you know, I appreciate you, buddy. And I know everybody else out there in the community does. I do. Um, so really this, the guy's top notch in my book and Corey, when you heard about coming on to this, uh, into this film, what was your first thoughts? What ran through your mind? Well, it's interesting. See, I, I had followed Chuck on uh, Instagram. So I, I knew what he was doing. And then when I was seeing a, you know, a film project, I'm like, I was like, well, I feel like I had a lot of insight because he didn't just come to me and go, hey, we need graphics, period. He, he came to me and goes, hey, I know you've helped with some crowdfunding campaigns. Um, we need ours to look as best as possible. What do you suggest? You know, what are your suggestions? What have you seen? How integrated were you just outside of graphics with these other projects like Vengeance, Vengeance 2, uh, Never Hike Alone, <clears throat> uh, Fall of Camp Blood? you know, all these Jason-esque movies. And it was one of those things where I was like, okay, cool. Because usually on those projects, I was brought in after stuff had already started being laid out or worked on. So I'm trying to work in the confines of what's already established because you don't want to reinvent the wheel. You just want to make everything look as best it can with what's there and then and jump on top of it. With this, my brain immediately started firing on all centers. It's like, shit. Well, first off, I don't know anything about this movie, but I didn't tell Chuck that at first. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, yes, yes. And yes. And I said, I'm, this is awesome because it will, he's like, you got kind of free reign to design whatever you want, you know? And, but all we, you know, we have a script and some people in place and whatever. And so I was like, okay. So I thought, okay, I get to, I get to work on this from the ground up. So it needs to be perfect. Just like a business plan. And the first project I think we worked on was like, okay, we needed to come up with a logo for the film project. You know, something we can stamp on everything and say, here's the script, Valentine Bluffs, Valentine Bluffs, you know. And um, God, dude, we worked on that for a month and a half, you know, just the logo. Just the logo. Um, 
seeing what we can incorporate, what's readable, if it's inverted, you know, if we decide to make it more, you know, in motion or this and that. So once we got that, I almost thought that was it. <laughs> and then they just kept saying, okay, now we're going to do this. And, and so they started structuring what was in place i told them what worked and what didn't work on crowdfunding campaigns that i've been a part of um and then next thing you know i'm making perk pages you know out the ass for and we're like you know they were coming up with perks and then i was designing to make it is visually easy to look at to interpret what they were wanting to do and i think just rolling with that and you know, or if I was like, Chuck, I can't find a picture of the miner doing this specific motion for this one perk. He goes, I'm going to make my wife take a picture of me doing that tomorrow. Or, you know, and and he was yeah. on the ball about like, if I needed something, he didn't want me to work for it. He's like, I'm going to get it to you. Give me a day. And then I would get it. I'd make it work and we'd critique it back and forth. So me and Chuck went from total strangers, like Instagram half-ass followers of each other to like <laughs> talking talking two or three times a day mostly at night yeah. and then and of course those conversations were always you know they were 80 percent work related and 20 percent goofing off which thank god because i was like huh this old guy's not too bad he's a pretty good cat whatever <laughs> he's, he's a cool cat <laughs> and you know and then it became like if during the day i was working i'd be getting voice messages from who i i didn't know who the hell this guy was some old guys messaging me from Chuck's, you know, uh, messenger or whatever. And I'm like, who the fuck is that guy? You know? <laughs> and, and next thing I know, it's like, Oh, Chuck, like, Oh, that's my alter ego. And this and so, so it's, it's one of those things that it, it kept it playful, but you're talking about going from total strangers to like almost best of friends, essentially like where we can talk about anything, including our families in such a short yeah. amount of time. But I mean, we were put to work together and then working with everyone else, you know, everyone else is, kind of giving their ideas to Chuck. Chuck's filtering it, coming to me. I'm trying to turn something around to give to him to outburst, you know, spurse out back to hit, you know, the people he's working with. And it that's what we did. It was nonstop. It was like a full functioning company and business because, you know, I told him, I said, that's the one thing is I've seen some projects really not get what they were doing because there wasn't that camaraderie or that that guy that was willing to Chuck was willing to do a lot more than what I think anyone else would be willing to do in anything, you know, like not just, Hey, you're an actor, but you're also going to be a producer, which also, you know, everyone's like, well, what does a producer mean? He dumped a bunch of money. You know, he dumped all of his time into this and he has like what? 13, 14 kids, right? No, <laughs> no, but well, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. seven. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. One, every day of the week. one kid is a lot. One. Yeah. Seven. Well, that's what I said. I, t I tell you, I tell you, Corey was invaluable, and and I don't throw that term around lightly. Uh, he touched on a lot there, and uh, we did. We became fast friends working on this project, and I, I think he uh, did way more than was expected of him, and uh, it it helps befriending somebody like that too like Corey, because then, you know, you, 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 you get more straight, honest answers from people say, Hey man, I'm really backed up right now. There was never any attitude about anything. And Corey would try to fit stuff in as much as possible. And was, there was always that level of respect between us. And I would pick his brain 
on so many occasions about, you know, like, hey, what do you think about this? And what should we do here? And, and it wasn't just stuff about the campaign. Sometimes it was things about just the movie in general, or what do you think about this kill, you know? And I just like bouncing a lot of ideas off him. And, and he always had, he always had answers to, and I like that, you know, you're just not throwing a question out there and then getting a, well, I don't know, response. You always, so, and it, it was, we had just good chemistry, good camaraderie there. And, um, you know, and we, we still do, man. We still, it's, I can't tell you how many friends I've made on this project. Uh, Corey's definitely one of the, the best ones that I have made working on this film. And, um, you know, I think uh, the, the work that he's done on it really speaks for itself. When you look at our campaign, Corey's is, what he did there is that's the, the, the face of the campaign, man. And in, in my opinion, you know, um, presentation is everything. I, I would say oh, it is. Yeah. When, when you go to a crowdfunding site, that's the first thing that hits you. If you don't like what you're seeing, you're not going to stick around. Yeah. And I think what we did, uh, with, with the work that Corey did on our campaign really brought people in and kept them there. And, um, you know, that's just a testament to his, uh, abilities and, and skills there. And, uh, I, I wouldn't really want to imagine what would happen to our film or where it would be right now without everything that he did. And I'm hundred percent serious about that. Um, I, I, my, myself and our team is just so grateful for everything that he did and, uh, just being a friend too, and being able to blow off some steam and vent to each other periodically about just whatever, you know, you got to do it to stay sane. Yeah. I'll be honest. I think we talked about every fan film under the sun. I don't even care who sees this or not. You know, it's one of those things where I told him the goods and bads of of how I got introduced to fan films and being involved with them and then being pulled in every direction when people have beef with each other or whatever. And that's the thing, too. It's like I told him, I said, there's going to probably be instances where, you know, you have arguments with anybody on our, you know, this team. It just depends, you know, and and I think uh, they, <laughs> I I feel like they did me a favor because they gave me some, you know, parameters, and it was just a matter of like, okay, what can you do? And I was like, I gotta impress. Every time I do something, I want to impress the hell out of somebody. But then, you know, you fast forward to all that stuff we did, and the and the culminating of it, and then you're at the tail end of, you know, after the movie's out and everything. Now you're like, okay, we gotta blu-ray dvd covers you know we gotta finalize this do that poster this poster that um and you know now it's it's almost kind of a sit back but now but now it's i feel like i can sit back on on what i did now chuck's trying to you know on the tail end of fulfilling all these perks all these visual promises that i designed that they you know the the Valentine Brothers crew like is like is going out of their way to like fulfill everything that the fans invested into this film, you know, That's to get big. it going. That's big and, because a lot of time. I'm sorry, yeah, continue. No, you're, and and you got to remember, and I and I just I'm throwing this out there because I want people to understand. Like, I was the graphic designer on this big project. That that's it. Okay, you know, um, but everyone that was working you know, in, in the, what, I don't even call it, in, in the gutter of it, in the, the meat of it, you know, they're, they're trying to still, you know, they're, they're on the tail end of fulfilling perks. Um, and when did this project start, Chuck? Two years ago? 
little over two uh, years ago? Let's see. I think it was in 2020 and our first Indiegogo campaign launched spring of 2021. Okay. Um, so, so so keep that in mind. You know, I tell everyone that. Spring keep of that in mind because and it's already released. It's already out there. And that, that's another thing, too, but I see a lot of fan films. I'm sorry to cut you off, but, you know, you get the Indiegogo going, and we don't see that film maybe for three, four years later. Uh, perks aren't fulfilled, you know, at least in, in a timely manner. You know, I've seen that a lot, man, and it's big that you guys are actually making sure that they are fulfilled um, and everybody's getting what they invested in. Yeah, it's 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 uh, a lot of, a lot of time getting that stuff done, especially with a, a skeleton crew. It's... Uh, Myself, uh, uh, Tom Smith, and Roland Keller are, are in charge of fulfilling the perks. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to come up things when you first start a campaign. Oh, let's offer this and all that. And then the realization really hits home after the movie's out. It's like, hey, we got to deliver on what we said we we're going to do. And we're doing it. And it always takes more time than you, than you expect. You know, we did two campaigns. Uh, I think the second campaign had almost as many perks or just about as the first campaign some of those perks i'm i'm making by hand oh my god and so that takes time as well and um so yeah they're they're getting out there um for sure uh we are um continuing to have uh things shipped pretty much on a weekly basis as they either as they come to us or as we make them so we're a little behind um but you know we're trying to keep people updated uh so you know everybody's gonna get their stuff yeah no it's it's a lot it's a lot of work guys and and i think you know after the project's complete like you talk about now now you got to deliver this and it, it just continues but what you guys talked about that camaraderie that team effort it, it becomes a family and it's so important because a lot of egos in this in this business uh, and especially that business, the film business, everybody, lack of a better term, may, legend in their own mind. Some people are and, you know, they think they deserve more, or, you know, but it's it's so important to stay humble and to focus on the task at hand and not put yourself or your selfish you know, needs uh, above that. And you guys, I know for a fact, Corey, I know that's you, you're selfless. Chuck, you seem like a great guy. The first conversation I'm really having with you, man, but just Corey talking about you. I, I trust his word. I can see it. I can tell, man. So you got you got a solid team just in you two alone, what I'm seeing. And again, it showed in the movie for me. Like, I really enjoyed it. So um, I think you guys did a hell of a job. And even the rest of the cast that I've seen in there, which is another question I have for you. Like, how did that go? I mean, I loved, I loved Lloyd Kaufman as the mayor. I, I, I got to say, I did, I did really enjoy that and how he was delivering things. So that was cool. And Corey, I know you, you, my man, uh, aside from the visual side of things. Okay. I know you love butt drugs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I got to tell you, man, you are a natural at acting your performance. Yes, he is. is it looks so effortless. And that is what, and it puts some people on the big screen to shame what I've seen. I'm like, this guy is really good. I, I never knew you. You had that side of you, Corey. Well, so, it, it was the first opportunity. And, and the fact that they gave me the opportunity, I, I don't remember how it went down because Chuck could probably tell you on, I, I feel like they had a part and they're like, I think Corey could do this. And I had, I've done small projects here and there. I'm usually like 
the the right hand man to a bad guy that just kind of grunts or acknowledges or you know whatever i don't say much i'm a lot of one-liners but when they threw me this part like hey you got to be an a what a, a egotistical asshole who thinks he's a hot shot in the small town who uh kind of pries and says whatever he wants to women and i'm like well, that's not that, i was like well that's not me so maybe i can do that that'll give me you know something to shoot for it i i had I'll put it this way. I had some people in mind that I'm familiar with that I'm like, if I embody this person, <laughs> I think I think I know what direction to go. And Chuck <laughs> Chuck knows exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, the opportunity was given to me. And I think it just gave me this kind of freedom, you know, especially with Tom being like, hey, this is what I wrote, but just do and say whatever you want. And the part was cool. And then when I started reading into the part, I was like, Okay, now I guess start asking the wife permission to do some of these. Yeah. Things. Got a little and, yeah. and and I, right. and I can promise I can promise everybody the way it was filmed. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. I was like, it it looks like so much more than it is, and I'm like, no, it's not CGI, but it, it's uh, it was it was the coolest experience and getting to talk with with nightmare Christie and develop a, a camaraderie with her the day of and feel so comfortable to like have the conversation. We knew what we were doing primarily because I let her do whatever she wanted. I was like, Hey, you're genius at this. And, and she's like, just let, she literally said, let me control the whole situation. I said, okay, yeah, that's great. And, uh, but, uh, I, I never had so much fun. I've been part of some other projects or like a guy in the background, but, the way they treated me, the situations they put me in that were super uncomfortable in a good way, like in terms of like, hey, this scene kind of developed and we want to put you in the basement now on the on this toilet. Are you okay with that? And I'm like, well, I guess. How are you filming it? And they're like, well, could you, how comfortable are you? Like, we want it to look real. And I'm like, okay, next thing you know, I'm, I'm sitting on a toilet bare ass for what? A couple hours, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, and this was after some medical stuff like months prior that i probably shouldn't be sitting down that long but i i ended up being but i was like i wanted it to look authentic everything i've seen in other movies i was like if this is the only part i get to do it needs to be the best of the best you know and i i didn't think of anything else i was like i am literally a a blip on the radar of this film and because I was just more fascinated with watching Chuck. I had to sit on the toilet and watch the miner walk down a a hallway of this old decrepit basement and little slats that you can see the light through it. And I was like, I, I was like, I'm literally in this movie. This is freaking nuts. And then the miner has to bust through the door like 30 different times. And I have to act like, oh shit, oh shit. You know, like, oh, shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's the next thing I know, he's running at me with a pickaxe and getting to do the makeup effects they did on me and just the whole aspect of it. And then watching Christy getting to run around scantily clad, the miners chasing her and I'm trying to act dead. I was like, I don't think anyone can really fathom like what that all, it's like, did that all happen? You know, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a long night. You know, I was in uh, Pennsylvania, I think for two days and we shot everything you see me in. We shot, in the day, what the same day almost the day into the night yeah same day yeah that, that bar was a really scene and then, and then the, be, the, the house scene at night you know so. like 12 to 16 hours it's all my day oh, right? yeah. oh yeah. yeah i think yeah. that was the longest day filming we had because we did 
we had to get all of Christie's scenes in and yep. all of Corey's season scenes in not only at the bar, but at the, yeah. uh, at the house as well. Um, but yeah, they, they were great. It was, <laughs> it, was great. I, I, it was so much fun. And I think that's why it was delivered and, and received so well on, on me and Christie's part. Cause we were supposed to have a part like this big in that whole film and it got expanded out better words, you know, or probably used into just so much more, but getting to talk with her and like me and Chuck and everyone were like get to talk with her and hear things about conventions and or even think about what her thoughts were. And I'll let you speak on it. Like, you know, Chuck got a, to drown Christy. And then I'll let you speak to that whole thing, too. On, yeah, so talk, that was such an interesting story, you know. Yeah, yeah, talk about that, Chuck. And it also like just embodying that character, man, and being Harry Warden. How'd that yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll get the I'll, I'll get the the Christie question out of the way. Um, that was that was I had a lot of fun chasing her around, and she was great too. I, I feel like she was a natural. Um, and uh, yeah, when it came to that scene where she uh, where the miner drowns her, I believe that was the very last scene that we did that day, and it was like it was it well after midnight, well after midnight. And uh, everybody's, you know, tired, but but wired and we got a job to do. So we're going to do it. And uh, as Corey said before, things just kind of unfolded. We we actually utilized one of the the, the Airbnbs that uh, we had some of the crew uh, staying at. We utilized that as a filming location, which really wasn't part of the original plan. But it was just this uh, older farmhouse that just had so much character to it. Tom said, we, we have to film here. We have to use some of this. So we, we filmed a lot of scenes there. And Christie's uh, uh, death scene was there too, as well as Corey's. And um, when it was time to do her drowning scene, she told me right before that, um, I think they were setting up for the scene. And she said, Chuck, uh, I have a fear of drowning. And like a legitimate fear of drowning. What? And I said, oh, okay, what do, what do you want to do here? You know, what, what do you want to do? And, and I said, first, are you comfortable, you know, doing this? Because she, her head needed to be submerged underwater for a little while. And, um, and she said, well, let's work out like a, a system um, where she says, it, I will, she, I can't remember, she said she's going to grab my leg or just like start tapping my leg once she's had enough. If she starts kind of, you know, freaking out a little bit for, for real, about her head being underwater and I said okay you know and um but we we could only do that scene in one take because her hair is dry prior oh. to being drowned and once she goes in you know so that was it we didn't have time to like oh let's dry her hair and style her hair again and stuff so we we went over a lot of um prep for that scene and uh when it came time to do it um I I was was choking her and then that proceeded i think it was just in i think it was one continuous shot where then i i plunge her head underneath the uh the the, the water in the hot tub there and held it there which, which seemed like a long time for me and uh uh john picos our dp um you know he he didn't say the signal i didn't hear word cut or anything like that from from tom yet so i just kept her head down and then eventually she did grabbed my leg and I, I pulled her out. So it worked out really good. I think it turned out great 
on film and she didn't uh she didn't have any um you know mental uh, scars or anything like that from <laughs> from doing that scene i don't think so but she was a trooper you know and and put putting her uh what we put her through there for in the wee hours in the morning um so you know hey that's she put on a, a brave face and that's you know that's that's tough to do in that situation and she did it yeah especially so. you're, you're afraid of something that you have to do now it's like yeah yeah you know how many takes is it going to take and then what you said it's, it's a one take deal like one listen, take. that's yeah. it yeah we, we, had we to gotta nail this one shot and that's incredible man you yeah. guys did that and uh, i could tell especially being a long day to an old, old different shots you had to get done different scenes that being the final scene and being a one taker after yeah. that long of a day it's like it's that's awesome that you guys yeah. pull that off man and I thought, man, Chuck, I seen you in that cosplay, in that Harry Warden cosplay. Dude, you owned that character. I love Thank you. it. I love it, man. Uh, I want to know what was going through your mind, how you felt actually being that character. And uh, I guess maybe your favorite uh, part of being that character in this film. Yeah, you know, I I felt uh, pretty badass uh, being yes. in, the, in the costume, you know. Um, so it, it didn't feel like it was too hard getting into character, but I will say having to um, multitask and do producer duties at the same time as having to act, it is hard truly getting into character because just even in between takes and things, your mind is constantly thinking like, oh, what are we doing next? What do I have to do next? So it was hard to separate the two sometimes. But uh, it was a lot of fun to play that character. I, I had, before this movie, I had never been involved in any type of a film project at all. So to be able to jump in head first and work with all these talented people and just be welcomed in. And uh, it was you know, like a cosplayer's dream come true for sure, but it was just a dream come true in general. And um, yeah, it was, it was great being able to, you know, like, hey, I put this costume together and I, I get to use it in a movie. And uh, I made the, the pickaxes uh, that we used in it as well. And um, so you made, you know, it was all the prop. You made just the pickaxe or you, you made I made just the full size pickaxes. Uh, some of the other weapons, uh, there was a knife and a, a mini rock pick, which Corey got right here yeah <laughs> um that uh those were made by uh ryan from uh yeah he's got the screen there, there it is screen used one it right there it's embedded in my head like this <laughs> yeah wow and uh ryan after that incident Corey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the ryan from uh, uh ryan schaefer uh made uh, all those uh other prop weapons did an awesome job and um but yeah, the uh, the minor costume is fun to wear, but uh, it has its moments. You know, there's a very very poor visibility through those tinted lenses, and then you have no peripheral vision. Um, I I have fresh air coming in. I rigged up like a fan that that blows fresh air up into the mask, and then just forces out uh, some of that condensation and and uh, 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 CO2 out, and um, but it gets it gets hot inside the mask. Pretty much from here down is comfortable. From here up is not, and uh, it's hard to hear. So I really have to get close to the people to to hear. Uh, uh, you know, 
uh, action, cut, anything that people are saying to know my cues. Uh, you kind of get used to it after a while. And it's also hard to, when I'm, I don't speak in the movie, but in between takes or when I'm trying to communicate, I have to express my volume yeah. loudly so people can hear me. So uh, sometimes you do feel like you're you're off in the corner by yourself because <laughs> you can't What's communicate very well, you know. But um, but yeah, um, what else about the 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 mask? Uh, I was gonna say um, it it feels like a vice on your head with the straps tied down real tight because you have the hose. The hose is always pulling down on your head, so your your neck muscles are constantly fighting to compensate that. So uh, you get a little bit of a sore neck at the end of the day and stuff, but you know, all that, all that was, it's is that why you is that why your neck and your traps look so jacked right now, man? Come on. He works out. He works out. He goes to the gym daily. I have to hear he's like, I can't talk right now. I'm at the gym. I'm like, all right, well. <laughs> I, you know, I have to stay in shape in case Got there's it. a sequel. Oh, <laughs> listen, we don't, uh, Mine are still roaming around. And to me, I got to tell you, man, dare I say this. To me, Chuck, you are Harry Warden now. My book. Yeah. And that's big Thank because you. like, Thank I you, like, I love 1981 film. But, dude, I enjoyed your performance more in this film. Well, and that's me saying that's me. That's wow. objective, But this is me saying that, man. I really did. I will say that uh, I got a lot of helpful advice and direction from Peter Cowper, who played the oh. minor in the original mm -hmm. 81 movie and um, uh, have befriended him as well. And he's been a really good resource for me, just getting different tips and advice on playing the character. And uh, I felt that was important to, to know, to kind of get in his head a little bit and, and he was very generous with information that he provided me and has so many great stories working on the original movie and his his memory is so sharp. Um, it's it's crazy. So he gave me a lot of good tips, useful tips um, from, you know, some of the fight scenes that we did to just uh, how to how to embody that. I mean, you can't really take any better direction than that from you know i mean he is the harry warden after all so um so that was good that helped you know help me get my mind right a little bit too about playing that character um and uh yeah the um i was gonna say about the fight the fight scenes um that was my favorite my favorite thing to do was the final fight scene but my favorite thing um and i gotta thank John Picos, our DP, for filming that beautifully. He just did a great job on the film overall. Yeah. But um, that that was one of my favorites. And then um, Roland Keller helped choreograph uh, all the fight scenes. And he was wonderful because he comes from a wrestling background. He used to be a professional wrestler. Wow. So, um, uh, you know, and that, that was that's one instance there where the distance made it difficult because Roland... And Brandon Leapart, our sound guy, um, choreographed and recorded themselves doing that fight scene. And then he'd send it off to me. And then uh, my wife and I would try to, you know, go through that sequence too. So we try to remember it. And uh, that, so that was interesting. And then uh, Jeff Swisher played 
TJ. And, you know, that's who I have the showdown with at the end. And I got to tell you, that was just, that was some of the most fun, not only for, you know, like being a cosplayer to be able to do that, but to, to fight on film. And I think, I think our fight scene there looked very legit. I was nervous about that. Honestly, I was, because that's, that's going to be one of the, the main, you know, that you build up to throughout the movie. That's the, that's the payoff right there. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's gotta be solid. It has to be strong. It and, looked organic, Chuck. Um, it did. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you out. You continue, but it looked organic to me. Thank you. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought I was really happy with the way it turned out. And Jeff Swisher and I had this chemistry as well. I think he comes from a martial arts background. He's a, a little bit older than I am, but, but a veteran actor and just, he picked up on the choreography quickly and, um, and it just, it, it seemed to flow. We, I felt like we were able to sell a lot of these blows and, and hits and, and punches and things. And, um, I, I couldn't be more proud of, you know, the stuff we did, um, in that scene. And, uh, I will say that, uh, I was the prop master on the film too. It just means, you know, you got to take care of the the weapons and and the prop weapons and all that stuff, you know? So I was kind of in charge of all that stuff. And we did swap out some fake weapons, a fake pickaxe with a real pickaxe, that scene a couple different times. And we, we had to do that. There's a scene where I swing and miss him with the pickaxe and it's supposed to stick in the wall, the side of the, the tunnel in the mine. And uh, it's all rock. So to, to get the authentic feel for it, you, you can't hit that with a rubber pickaxe, you know. No. <laughs> it was supposed to stick in the wall, but it, it's not going to stick into rock. But so I, um, Jeff really trusted me on that with that whole scene and, and, and him with I. I mean, the, the, the trust was mutual. When you're swinging things around and you're getting close to sell it even though the the camera angle on which it's filmed helps sell it like whoa you know he hit that guy or he just about missed him um that was tricky and i remember before we did that that whole scene there you know telling everybody look i i have to be focusing 100 on what i'm doing here and i didn't feel like i even had to get into character doing that whole fight scene because I'm just making sure that I don't hit Jeff or hurt Jeff in reality, yeah. you know? And um, I, I just told everyone, I, I can't even be thinking that there might be someone that's getting too close, that's encroaching, that's part of the crew. And I just said, everybody just stay back. The only person that was kind of going around was, was our DP and he was getting some tight angles and stuff. So he knew where he needed to be and uh, nobody got injured for, for real. So that was good. And uh yeah, that was just my favorite scene. Favorite scene to act in. Favorite scene to uh, to watch as a viewer too. No, it was incredibly done, and I got to tell you about the sh the shots in this movie. I I thoroughly enjoyed how you filmed how they filmed this, uh, especially even that opening sequence where it's going through uh, like the railroad and and the mine. And, and dude, I, I enjoyed that very much, even though it's so simple. But just everything the way it was shot, it was done well. It was so professional. I I can see this movie. You know, for a fan film, it it looks like something that should be in theaters. In my in my opinion, you know, seriously, the way it was shot, the quality, the acting, um, you know, what your the job you did, Chuck, man, as Harry Warden, 
man, like I said, I can't, I can't praise you enough in this, in this role. And Corey, you as well, man, with, with the acting again, you guys are natural, both of you. And, um, it looked very organic. Everything in this film looked organic. And, uh, thank you, man. You know, the special effects, yeah. Tom and uh, Darren Pastor responsible for the, the the effects. I mean, just did a phenomenal job. Uh, so many people that that put their their A game, you know, gave a hundred percent on this. Uh, uh, Liz um, Saldariga, our AD, was awesome. Um, <laughs> assistant directors have a, a tendency, at least from what I've been told in the business, to be very like people don't like assistant directors because they're always like hey we got to go we got to move we got to you know you only have so much time to before you got to get the next take and she was about as nice as you a human being could possibly be in saying she'd come up to me say chuck how much time do you need to get ready to get in the costume for this next scene and i'd say you know about 10 minutes or so and she'd say okay and then she'd come (laughs) on a little bit later and say chuck are, are you almost ready now and i'm like yep I'm ready. It's just as nice as could be. And just, you just have to know how to roll with the punches because you're going to have things that go wrong. Corey can attest to that. I mean, that filming that day, there were plenty of things that went wrong and you have to be cool and collected. And that's part of the job that the AD does, but just, um, just the crew in general, you know, Um, when people start breaking down and losing it, then the whole production breaks down. We, we had a, a very, very strong team, you know? Um, uh, mentioned, I got to mention Brandon Lee part. Um, he did sound on our film and he kind of got um, pulled into that because we had, we had some, we had a, we had an entire crew lined up um, that had everything. They had uh, sound cameras, everything. And they, it, it just didn't work out. They backed out like a month before we were set to f- start filming. What? So we we started from scratch and we had to push back the filming dates by, I think it was a month or so. So we were scrambling to get people. So everybody that was on our crew, almost everybody that made this film was kind of a last minute deal. And I still think that Tom found some of the most talented people to put this project together. And, and like you were saying, Jimmy, I think it, sh- it shows what you see on screen, you know? I, that's a challenge. Um, I was, I guess that's probably going to answer my next question. I was going to ask you guys, what was the most challenging thing that you faced filming this? Corey, you want to go first? Most of the time with me, I was being told what to do on the outside. Now, when it came to actually my, my filming stuff, the day of, we had a lot to do in a short amount of time. Um, and then, you know, knowing when, you know, like, the thing, biggest thing for me is like I had a flight that next morning and I think we finished wrapping film like at 2.45 or 3 in the morning and Corey's flights at 4.30 or 4.45 and and uh, or something like that. But I mean, I didn't really encounter too much personally. Now, on the outside looking, you know, looking in, like he was saying, you know, the fact that there were fires, fires that happened on set, like, you know, not real fires, but, you know, just mental fires, you know, you know, like difference of opinions and stuff. The team was always able to come together and say, okay, like, you know, put two boxers in their corner. Okay, guys, cool down. Let's reset, hit the reset button. Yeah, it's one in the morning or 10 o'clock at night or whatever. 
and being able to be like, okay, let's regroup. How are we doing this thing? Because stuff did change. And a lot of that changed because of, you know, you had opportunities that I, that were obvious. Like when we, the house, for example, you know, me and Christy are originally supposed to die on the floor in front of the fireplace. But when you see how that house was laid out, that was being used as the Airbnb and, and what the basement had in terms of just like this production value that you're like, this, there's production value here. Why? Well, let's just use it. And so you're like on the fly. It's like, well, that's not how this is written, but it's like, okay, well, how can we morph that into a different scenario? And then it takes a team to really work together to figure out, okay, that's not what was originally planned, but okay, if we're going to do this, how can we do it and, and execute it? And just seeing how eventually how that worked out was awesome. Cause like, I'm like, man, if we, if we would have stuck with the original part, I mean, it would have been maybe a little bit transitionally cleaner or whatever, but like the dynamic that was able to be created with this cat and mouse game with Christy now being running up and down and the miner at the top of the stairs, none of that was written almost until that day. Like that scene of the miner at the top of the stairs, when she finds my dead body, she goes to run back up the stairs. The miner's just there and imposing. And it's like, that wasn't planned. You know, that, that really wasn't planned out, you know, and then the whole cat and mouse game and Corey died on the toilet and, <laughs> Uh, you know, Christy being drowned, that whole dynamic was created on the fly because wow. of the production value that was laid itself out. And so the team really had to work through some, you know, because you got people who aren't going to agree. You got a guy who's like, no, this is how we were going to film it, right? And then the director, you know, the director, the writer, whatever is like, well, this and this and this. And it's like, okay, let's let's figure it out together. And they and then they did. You got other people in place that are helping make sure those connections stay fluid and then that they can reach reach a decision and and execute it opposed to just bitch and complain and then it just fall to nothing so the testament that, that i'm trying to get to is just like if things come up having enough other members and team members in place to help talk it through and, and really figure it out and that's what happened that i seen and i was only be on set for like a day and a half two days now, I know Chuck's seen, you know, a lot more than I did, and he's, he's probably going to speak on it. I mean, the biggest obstacle, I think, that me and him had talked about was, and I'd go ahead and hand it off to you, you know, with, with, with Tom and what Tom encountered with COVID or, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So this was, uh, this was shortly after we had filmed the trailer. We, we did filming specifically to be used in the trailer, and this would have been going back, uh, I think late 2020. So, you know, it's when the COVID stuff was, was happening and going on. And, um, um, Tom came down with it shortly after that and he was hospitalized. It was really serious. He was in a coma. He oh nearly died. And, um, you know, God willing, he, he's, he came out of it. Um, he had to undergo some vigorous, you know, physical therapy, um, he wasn't even sure if he wanted to or was going to be able to finish finish this film. And um, uh, he ended up making a, a, a very good recovery, uh, long, but not as long as it should have been. He, he uh, recovered a lot faster than the doctors and everything thought. Um, and uh, so, I mean, that was that was definitely by far the biggest hurdle that the whole film, you know, um, had to overcome and and he did it and uh, but he had to relearn how to sculpt uh because he's you know he's a special effects artist and uh he had to 
relearn how to use his hands and certain things. So that took a while. And uh, so that was definitely a setback, you know, and he decided he, he says, I'm, I'm, I put so much into this. I, I want to finish this. So once he made up his mind, um, you know, we just, we just uh, supported him. And, and so, I mean, that was definitely the biggest hurdle. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, Tom gets, you, you know, I said, Tom, you, you have to share this story. It's, it's not about trying to get sympathy from people. It, it, it's a fact it happened and it's not something that happens on every film. I mean, it's a reality. And uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, he, he made it through and um, you know, that was huge. That was so huge. So, um, so that was definitely the biggest hurdle that, that our film had to go through and everything else by comparison is minuscule you know not a big deal but some of the other things were just you know budget time uh all those things that are working against you uh i think we shot the film in 10 days we needed at least probably 12 or 13 but that was what our budget allowed was a 10-day shoot and then technically I think it was 11 days because we uh, we had some audio issues and things with filming in the mine. We filmed for one day in a real mine, a pioneer mine in Pennsylvania. And um, we was when Tom was reviewing the footage, he didn't like what he saw. And I uh, we had talked and <clears throat> said, I think because people want to see everything in the mine, the mine, again, is, there's a lot of climactic things that happen in the mind it's got to be good so we all decided let's get everybody back together and we're going to go reshoot and this was um uh seven eight months later reshoot for a day in that same mine and that's what we did so that costs that costs more money to have to rent that location and utilize that and um we had uh, when when our first crew uh, couldn't do the film, we had to change Airbnb dates. You don't get all your money back on yeah. that. So there's just you know there was a lot of things with with budget and time that were kind of worked against us. Um, just the Indiegogo campaign that that in itself was you know a big a big hurdle in um, just running it. It's like if you've never done it, it's like a full time job. You know, Corey, myself, Tom, Roland, we all sacrificed so much time from our normal lives to do that. But you have to do it in order for it to, you know, and that doesn't even guarantee that it's going to be successful. But you you have to put that time and energy in. Sacrifice, yeah. Um, and it shows me. I'll continue, Chuck. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that was that was pretty much uh, point. No, but <laughs> it, it, it shows, guys, really. Um, I look at this, this could be a sequel to My Bloody Valentine 1981. I, I enjoyed it Thank that you, much. Man. Uh, if, if you haven't seen anybody watching this, if you have not seen it, please go and watch it. It's free, it's on YouTube. Uh, we're gonna give you the links momentarily. Uh, but again, I can't, I can't praise this enough, guys. And, and again, I'm not just saying it because you're here, you're on the show, I'm saying it because I mean it. And it's just so crazy what you can do with a small budget if you have passion. And I think we see that a lot nowadays with some of the, you know, lower budget films that have been coming out in the horror community, you know, terrify the most, I guess, recognizable film 
as of late, you know, Terrifier, Terrifier 2. Uh, but you know, horror's, horror was technically, it's a low-budget genre. I mean, if you look at some of the films in the past, most of the horror, the greatest horror films were low-budget. You know, I believe Friday the 13th. But this one right here, to label it a fan film doesn't do it justice. You know, in the 80s, Chuck, you know this. Growing up, horror fan, it was frowned upon, you know, in the 80s. Now, it's glorified. And we are in this time period right now. There's a resurgence of horror. And we're getting some quality shit. For lack of a better term, I'm going to throw it out. If we're getting some quality films out there. And you guys, I need to see another. I need to see a, a sequel to this. I need to see something else. Are we? Are we going to see something else in the future? Well, if you see, if you see our ending, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at that. You know, if you see our fan film and you see how it ends... Um, I think, you know, that, that there's, it's open. There's definitely a possibility there. So let's, <laughs> let's leave well, it and, at that, you know? And and then the fact that if you really think about it, I mean, wh- is there a time where you could actually, what was the last time you watched a horror movie in general and, and it not have some type of backdoor that's open? You know, you, I feel like sure. you yeah. always, you always need to leave it open. Um, and, and Chuck have talked about it, but I mean, the way Chuck runs that scene at the end i mean it's it, it was super cool anyways send shivers mean, down my spine it was really cool i mean you know so yeah chuck's gonna know more than me i just i told him i said if, if something if and when does happen i said i'll be ready i'll you know i'll i'll create that that new folder that says valentine bluffs two or whatever <laughs> there and, it is. Uh, and, and we'll start all back over but it was it was a for me man it was a fun experience you know um being able to start on a project in the beginning of it and and help it through and then just being invited to be on set next thing you know i'm in the movie and i was just like you know and, and these guys were these guys were awesome and you know it they, they and then when i and here's the thing too and a lot of people don't understand this you know is uh if you're brought on to help with a fan film and you're taken care of like physically like just they treated me like awesomely. And I was always like, Oh, what else can I do? What else can I do? Like when I'm on set, I'm like, I'm not going to be one of these, like, I'm an actor just calling me out of my trailer. <laughs> bullshit. You know, where's my water? And, and I was like, what else can I do? Cause I, sometimes I felt like I was like, I need to do more. They're like, you've done enough. Like you need to just be invited you out here and we're going to have you, you know, but I was like, man, I got to do more. And they're like, no, man, you, you've spent hours and hours and hours doing these graphics so they treated me like a a king out there it was it was an amazing experience and in getting and that's and the re, where i'm getting at with this is how you're treated throughout a project regardless of when you're brought in i think really is a testament of you'll you'll figure out who the people are around you that actually give a shit and you know long term because you know you could do a project. They could, let's say, the project paid or whatever, and then they're, you're, next thing you're like, okay, thanks, you're done, whatever. I've been a part of plenty of those, um, but when a project actually like takes the time to to bring you out or to do this or to do that, because yeah, I'm I live in the middle of nowhere. Everyone, you know, Chuck's in Wisconsin. Everyone else is in PA. Corey's in the the butt crack of the United States. You know, <laughs> um, trying to make sure he doesn't get ran over by whoever else is coming into the country. Um, but it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, like these people treated me so well and it's, that's, 
you, they Chuck, I don't know what Chuck could do to to not go a notch down on a totem pole kind of situation because it, it was pretty awesome. And then, you know, shit, we're we're going to Texas Frightmare in a couple of weeks. And and if you know you want to see the minor in person, the you know, uh the minor in Valentine Bluffs and the my like what like what you were saying, Jimmy, the minor, like when you, you think of minor, that this is the first guy that just yeah. comes in your head. Mm-hmm. And and you know, there's you're gonna be an opportunity in, in Texas and and I think we're gonna have a good good time out there and catch up with some people and and hopefully get to talk about the film even more. And Nightmare Christie will be out there, you know. So oh and, yeah. and side note, side note, um why didn't anyone go over with me? Like, why didn't it was anyone sending me videos on me and hers fight scene? Because I thought we had some pretty good fight <laughs> scenes. And there was no there was no predetermined choreography. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean i enjoyed it Corey. it i, I did and I, I just you know another note from this film um i'll never give you some beer money and tell me to go get me some beer okay. now, <laughs> real, real, real quick you know what i've had a lot of arguments with people about that and do you guys remember uh black sheep with chris farley yeah yeah okay i embodied that scene in my mind because I was thinking about the when he goes around the corner and he's trying to politically help his brother, and he actually drinks all the alcohol that those kids are drinking, yeah. because he's trying to get them not to do it. That's what I was doing. I was thinking beer. I was I didn't want these kids to squander their their funds on alcohol. So I thought if they have no good where to put the money, I'll just temporarily hold on to it. And he for was pizza. being a, a responsible citizen. Yeah. yeah, there, there you go. I mean, she <laughs> was my, for a good reason. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jeez. yeah. mentioned we're going to be at uh, Texas Frightmare Weekend. We got a couple other conventions that we're going to be doing this year too. Uh, Flashback Weekend in Chicago. Um, we'll be the Valentine Bluffs team. Will be vendors at that one. Uh, also Horror Hound Weekend in nice. August. Um, and then uh, let's see, I'll be at uh, Crypticon in kansas city i think that's in july so definitely definitely doing a few uh conventions this year excited to meet up with my uh convention buddy uh brent edget uh he played jason in uh, uh fall of camp blood and uh also did uh some uh makeup effects work and did a bunch of stuff on uh, the movie roseblood acted in that one too yeah he was um, michael myers he was michael myers it was michael myers and roseblood <laughs> yeah yep, yep. And uh, so yeah, I'll be good. Good get together with him. Haven't seen him in a while. And uh, my other buddy Clint uh, Tacey from uh, Ink Mares. Um, Clint did. Uh, he did some perks on our film too. On our on our Indiegogo campaign. Um, good guy. Another another. Those two guys too. Like like Corey. Um, just it was, it was awesome to to pick their brains and just to give, you know hear their opinions and takes on different things and, and give advice and input. And that's just so, it's so invaluable to having people like that around you, you know, whether they're involved directly or indirectly um, it's really, really helpful and uh, just take it all in, you know? So yeah, it'd be good to see those guys and um, Corey, I'm going to see you in a couple of weeks in Texas. So that'll be fun. Looking forward to that. so you guys got a couple conventions coming up hopefully i'll see both of you down the line but chuck okay okay, my man before i let you go a little segment i told you about two minute drill Um, okay timer right here and uh 
You got two minutes to answer these questions, and it's no right or wrong. It's the best answer, your best answer. Are you ready to rock and roll, Chucky? Let's do it. Let's go. Three, two, one. Favorite horror icon? Uh, Harry Warden. Favorite slasher? My Billy Valentine, 81. Weapon of choice? Pickaxe. To remake or not to remake? Not to remake. Dark Alley in New York City. Who do you want to have your back? Corey Kaufman. <laughs> Best, that's a good answer. Best horror personality? Uh, uh, give me the next question. I don't know. <laughs> 80s or 90s horror? Um, 80s, sure. Favorite psychological horror movie? Silence of the Lambs. Favorite horror movie quote? Uh, Put me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> uh, little Chop Top maybe uh, from Texas Chainsaw 2. You're my fave. Scariest <laughs> horror movie you've seen. Oh, that's tough. Um, that's tough. Session nine always uh, sticks out. Maybe that goes into a little bit of that psychological one too, but that creeped me out when I seen that one. Gotcha. Best horror voice. Freddy. Universal monster of choice. Ah, uh, Wolfman. Wes Craven or John Carpenter? Gonna go with Carpenter. Favorite? No, yeah, f best horror movie score or theme. Oh boy. All right, we're at the time. I we don't know. The top <laughs> you can answer. <laughs> yeah, Some of those I gotta think about. Yeah, no, no, so no. He got so much further than I am. I, I got to like question <laughs> five and I was like. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, uh, New York? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, but yeah, we um, yeah, it was pretty good. That was pretty good, Chuck. I know some of them have, have you thinking a little bit, so it takes a little longer. And purposely, yeah. I do that. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll have some answers next time I see you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries, man. Give me some uh, time. <laughs> just throw it out there real quick. Uh, who is your horror movie crush? I got both of you that question, Corey and Chuck. Horror movie crush. Chuck's gonna be thinking about this for a while, but this, it, this, uh, the, uh, and I'm. I you can't gotta, say Nightmare uh, Christie, okay? No, anyway. Uh, I know that's. I I kind of figured. Um, <laughs> for legal reasons, I can't say that either. Uh, no. Um, but honestly, my favorite is the is the girl. I and I'll argue to the day I die about it. Every time I see a post, it's like, "Who's your favorite final girl? Or who should have never died in a Friday the Thirteenth movie?" And that's JJ from Jason Takes Manhattan. That rocker chick was so awesome in every which way and i'm like why the f did you kill her i was like no i was like i get the kill was kind of cool but i was like i've always been pissed off about that and i'm like dude she just had that whole dark hair rocker chick just all about it and i'm like yeah and it, it doesn't matter you could have the most scantily clad lady in front of me and i'm like nah, jj so jj from part a jj dude she gave me that joan jet stevie nicks yeah. vibe yeah. Oh yeah. All right. What about you, Chuck? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with uh, Tina from Halloween Five. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, she rides in the car with uh, who she thinks is her boyfriend, but it's actually Michael Myers wearing the uh, okay. wearing the mask. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I actually got to meet that crush at uh, the H forty convention. Forget how many years ago that was five, four, five years ago out in that was in, uh, uh, Los California. Angeles. Yeah, yeah, Cal or not Los Yeah, Mount yeah, Mount yeah, Mount yeah. She was cool. That was fun. It was fun meeting. All her. I hear when you said Tina, I, I hear Daniel Harris's Tina. That's all I. Oh hear. right, all yeah. I head, Well, and I don't know if she actually died. Then we don't we don't know that. I mean, we we assume, but you know, she got uh, she got roughed up a little bit by Michael Myers, so we don't know. Maybe she survived. Nobody knows. But... We'll find out. <laughs> but um, all right. Other question, and then we're gonna wrap it up here, guys. Junk food. Junk food of choice. When you're watching a good horror movie, what do you go? What's your go-to? Okay. Uh, uh, Doritos or popcorn. Okay. Yeah. Corey. I don't know, dude. Because <laughs> I have a little bit of what doctors would call a little bit of a weight problem, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Come on, yeah. man. I, I know. You're just I'm, big boned. I'm, I'm just big boned. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It, it really depends. I mean, I feel like I've always been a, a closet Dorito eater forever, but what's really weird is like, I will eat and like, they don't taste like they used to, but I will down a whole pack of golden Ritz crackers. If you let me, you know, that Ooh. and like, just the sides, uh, like it's just nothing on them. Just, just, butter just plain. Plain. no, yeah. I, mean, wow. I can have them plain, but man, with cream cheese, Right, crackers. Oh man! But yeah. but then you're like you're like, hey, it's cool. There's three more you know, cartridges of that shit in the box. <laughs> reloaded, <laughs> reloaded it. <laughs> yeah, it's like you put one away. You're like, oh, that was disappointing. There's more. There's <laughs> oh man, that's good. Good stuff. Oh, those cool are good. ranch Doritos for this guy too. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, it's been a blast talking to you, uh, Chuck. You know, I got I got to ask actually both of you guys. Ten years, ten years from now, where are you, Chuck? Where do you see yourself? Um, maybe I'll still be cosplaying then. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe some of my kids will uh, you know, take over the the throne. Who knows? Um, I don't know. That's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Think about what I'll be doing then, but. Uh, I know all my kids won't have graduated from high school by then. I know that for sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> got a ways to go before that happens. Chuck will be uh, seventy-five going as. <laughs> I mean, yeah, seven. <laughs> Jesus! Uh, oh my goodness! Please, yeah. man, throw him some extra jingle. We need to pay tuition, guys. He did an incredible job at his film. Throw, throw uh, Chuck a little extra jingle there in the cash app with the Venmo. <laughs> no, I'll but, take uh, it. <laughs> Listen, don't turn it down, Chuck, please. Uh, Corey, 10 years. Where are you, buddy? I better be driving an old 66 pickup and just hitting up conventions and just showing off a bunch of shit. I don't know if I'll be cosplaying, but, uh, you know, I really hope that I'm out of the rat race that's called a full-time job um, and just doing the graphic art stuff, but for for everything that I want to help people with. You know, I think doing what I'm doing now, minus the full-time gig during the day, because that eats away a lot of my time. And hopefully just convincing my son to still hang out with me. I got one kid. Uh, so I got one shot at doing this right. So he's 13 right now. So he'll be 23. That'll be in no time. Um, so yeah, 
just hope hopefully I can be my old pickup, checking on my son, making sure he's just uh kicking ass and whatever he's gonna be doing. And then hopefully I can still kind of squander to a couple conventions and and impress people with my uh knowledge of Friday the thirteenth or lack thereof. So there you go. <laughs> That's incredible. And listen, you know, he's got a good pops. And then your seven children, Chuck, you should be proud, man. They should be proud. Their father, you seem like a really great guy, man. Uh, it was a thank pleasure. You, it was re- really a, pro- a pleasure talking to both of you. Um, thank you so much, guys. Uh, if you haven't done so already, what are you waiting for? Check out Valentine's Bluffs. I believe the YouTube is Wee's in Hollywood. Is that it? Wee's in Hollywood? Am I correct on that? Correct. Okay. Yep. Wee's, Wee's in Hollywood. Yep. yep. W-E-E-Z in Hollywood. Check them out. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, Valentine's Bluffs. It, it could, I'm telling you, I swear on everything I love. It could be a sequel to the original 1981 and uh, just incredible work, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, and follow these guys. Where can they find you? Yeah, find me at uh, Instagram, uh, Chuck Ryan Cosplay. Um, also, uh, our Valentine Bluffs fan film. Just do, do a search under that on, on all social media. You'll find us. And Corey? Uh, Mid-South underscore Maniac, Facebook, Instagram. I'm sure I'll hook it up some other places too, but... That's that's the primary spot, or even DeSoto County Ghostbusters on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I forgot I am the president of that damn thing. Um, so <laughs> you can fo- follow us on there for all this uh, awesome uh, charity work that we do through there. And then, uh, yeah, just follow me. Not a lot of cosplay yet, but I'm sure by the time Texas Frightmare rolls around, me and Chuck will be uh, messing with some people there. And then, uh, and then just a side note, not that it really matters, because, you know, Chuck was the star of a movie awesome uh this month mario brothers back in the game on youtube will be dropping this month finally finally so, uh, if you want to see if you if you're tired of watching the animated stuff and you want to watch real or real mario yeah uh follow that on go. at mason studios on youtube and you'll see all those weird films i'm in outside of this awesome one so i'm looking forward to it yeah <laughs> It's a you, a Mario. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about. I can't wait, guys. I can't wait, uh, Corey, to see that film. Thank you so much once again taking the time out for us, horror heads. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for celebrating horror, not only in October, but 365. We're going to see you next week.